0: Hey everyone, it's Lynn Chen, and today on the Actors Dad Podcast, my guest is James Nord. He is one of the founders of 4Card, that is F-O-H-R-Card, and if you're wondering what 4Card is, it is basically a site for influencers and brands to connect. It's like kind of a online press kit, which I find very useful in whenever a brand wants to work with me and they're like what are your stats what are your numbers and instead of having to look it up every single time on instagram facebook twitter etc i can just point them to one place and that is four card so anyway the way i found james is that he does this show every week called a drink with james where he gives advice over a drink and i just found him really interesting so i asked him to be on the podcast and here he is what is going on when James isn't drinking? (laughs) What's happening? Also, I'd like to point out that you're always wearing a suit. Yes. So when you're wearing something that nice, I'm just like, how does he keep himself clean? (laughs) So let's start with the drinking part. What is it that you're drinking? Are you always drinking the same thing?
1: I started drinking whiskey a couple of years, maybe a year or so after I moved to New York, which would be, you know, nine years ago or so and uh, the reason was I, I simply I was I had no money and I would um, i go out to bars and I couldn't afford to just like drink beer all night yeah um, <clears throat> excuse me or drink like you know vodka soda or something so I really I hated whiskey um, I thought it was disgusting and so I would get a whiskey neat without any ice um, because it would take me like an hour to drink it. Um, so then I just, you know, I kept doing that and I got used to it and then I started to like it um, and then have kind of been drinking whiskey ever since. So I'm not like I just drink one type, um, but I am generally a, a scotch person and, and um have been drinking a lot of, uh, you know, Japanese scotch as well for the last few years.
0: Can you name some brands? I, I don't drink alcohol at all, so I don't know anything. And I'm sure no. the listeners would like to know some good brands.
1: Yeah, I drink, um, I mean, for Japanese stuff, there's not actually a lot in uh, that gets imported. Um, so the big ones, you know, it's, it's Yamakaze and, and uh, uh, Suntory and Hibiki uh, are kind of the big ones. Um, that's funny because like when I started drinking Japanese scotch, Five years ago it was 40, 45 dollars a bottle, and now it's like 100 dollars a bottle for the same stuff. Um, there's, a, there's a fairly large shortage because it's become quite popular, and um, you know they can't these things are 12, 18, 21 years old. So if there's a surge in demand, they can't meet that surge for you know a decade. It's not like they can just make more whiskey right um, because it takes you know it takes 12 years at least to uh to age it so uh, i think that's why it's gotten more expensive but those are great and and bourbon is you know our kind of house bourbon in the office is just bullet bourbon um you know bur- bourbon's great because for 30 bucks you can you can get a pretty you know a pretty solid bottle um but i drink the cheap stuff too four roses um and uh is is a is in heavy rotation as well
0: you said It was sort of what you guys had at the office. So how often are you guys drinking over there at Four Card?
1: I would say, you know, a decent amount. Um, Yeah, it's always been a part of our uh, culture. Um, And, you know, we were here last night. We had people, we had like a little event. Uh, I think I left at uh, 11 o'clock and there were still people. Dancing and drinking in the office, um, so it's 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 a you know a fairly often occurrence, and, and I would say like, you know people break out a bottle of wine or something, um, you know probably three three evenings a week at the office. Okay. Yeah. What is
0: served with these alcoholic cocktails and libations?
1: Not more work. Yeah. Nothing. There's no there's no food really. There's
0: no popcorn.
1: Well, no, we, you know, we've actually gotten on this, like, that's not totally true. So we've gotten on this Ritz cracker with peanut butter and jelly kick.
0: Whoa.
1: uh, Which is like the snack I used to have when I was a kid. And I've, I've recently rediscovered it. So we will make like a big plate of Ritz crackers and peanut butter and jelly.
0: That kind of sounds awesome.
1: It's incredible. Um,
0: It's not nothing fancy, nothing, uh, unless, I don't know, maybe you are fancying it up. No? No.
1: I like cheap <laughs> I like cheap peanut butter and cheap jelly. I don't want the good stuff. I'm like Welch's grape jelly and skippy extra chunky peanut butter. Peanut
0: butter on the bottom or top? Oh, I guess you can't do it on the top. Of course not.
1: Well Who some people make the some people make the sandwich, like two Ritz crackers. I'm a single Ritz cracker.
0: Okay. What are yeah. some other snacks you grew up eating that you miss and <laughs> want to reintroduce t- <laughs> into your life?
1: I was terribly picky eater. Uh, I really ate a lot of peanut butter and jelly and that was kind of essentially what I remember eating, that and like cereal. Um, what kind of cereal? I think I was like corn pops, which I, I did have recently and were kind of disgusting. <laughs> 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 but have corn pops or smacks, and I remember Honey smacks. Honey like-
0: smacks, which I just I realized are the same exact thing as that bear. Oh, really? It blew my mind. I saw them side by side and realized there was no difference. They're both puffed wheat with honey.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Super golden crisp is the other. Yes. Thing. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, snacks I would eat. Um. That was always a classic. Or you know, as I got a little older, it was just like hunting up Cheerios with bananas and like a you know big spoonful of sugar. Where did you grow up? I grew up in mostly in Georgia.
0: And So Uh, so I
1: was was born in Queens We spent like five years in Boston But uh, mostly Georgia
0: James I was born in Queens too Were you? Yes But then
1: uh,
0: At St. John's Hospital Okay And then um, my parents moved to New Jersey So I I lived in Astoria for seven years after college But I always was like Queens is where I was born Because it gives me street cred
1: Absolutely I was (laughs) Kew Gardens you know Yeah Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so in Georgia, w- tell me about the peaches.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's it's disappointing up here. It's it's peaches are like elusive in the north. I feel like I, I every. I'm I'm a cyclist. I ride most mornings uh, before work, and on my way home from work, I pass by the Union Square Green Market, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll often pop off my bike and um, run around looking for like a ripe peach but it's just like you can never find them it's impossible they're all hard as rock up here Um, and I actually dated a girl in high school whose like family had a big peach farm in northern Georgia Um, so yeah they're fantastic but little known fact Florida actually um, produces quite a bit more peaches than than Georgia does these days
0: huh that is a little known fact nobody is saying those Florida peaches gimme gimme give me. me. no. It's all about those oranges.
1: It's all about the oranges and a Florida man, you know. Who, Florida people are always doing something s- stupid and embarrassing. Yeah,
0: they don't have the greatest reputation lately. No, they don't. <laughs> um. So Georgia, what are some other things that you grew up eating? Like, who cooked in your household? Did you cook? I mean, My, sounds you like I, you didn't. No,
1: no, I didn't. My mom cooked, you know, and she was like, she. I think she was in like an enabler for me because she's also a picky eater. And, uh, so my dad made a point of, you know, being home for dinner every night and we'd sit around the table and do the whole thing and she'd cook a nice big meal. But if he, he traveled for work quite a bit. So if he was out of town, we would like go pretty chill. She made a lot of like, you know, chicken cut, like breaded fried chicken cutlets. And then I would just like douse it in ketchup. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty simple. Um, but we didn't really go out much. I have three brothers. So going out to dinner, we were like a bunch of orangutans, you know. So I, I think they prefer to stay home and not have to, like, have us in public being bad.
0: When did your pickiness sort of shift? Or did it? I, are you still <laughs> just eating no, bread I'm and better. chicken and I'm ketchup? Better now.
1: I'm better. I think it was probably after college, honestly. Because even in college, like, that stuff could be indulged because, you know, I lived on campus, and we had a really nice cafeteria. Um, Where'd you go to school? Best. I went to Dickinson, a okay. uh, little school in in um, Pennsylvania, and they had one of the best like food service programs in the country for colleges. Um, so I was eating, you know, like yeah, chicken and mashed potatoes every day, and I'm just like probably twenty pounds heavier than I am now. Um, so I think once I once I kind of moved to the city. Um, I started to eat a little bit more um, and kind of get outside of my comfort. A lot of it was just that there were things that I said I didn't like that I'd never tried before. You know, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, I hate Brussels sprouts. And then I'd think to myself, I actually have never actually eaten a Brussels sprout, so maybe I should try them.
0: And then <laughs> uh, you had it and fried could, and you know, were like, forget about it.
1: Right, it's delicious. Yeah. Uh, and I had a, I had a weird – Relationship with food in, in high school in general. I was a, a wrestler and I, uh, I cut weight pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really eat much for two or three years. Um, I, was, I was my junior year of high school, I was five, 10, 110 pounds. Um, and I, like, I lost four of my teeth from malnutrition. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't doing a whole lot of eating.
0: How did that relationship change back? Did you have to get like psychological help or was it just sort of like
1: It was like it was really was a wrestling thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I really wanted to win the state championship and like I hit this growth spurt at a weird time and it was just kind of like a, a timing thing that I, I I kind of stopped eating um to stay that, that weight. Um and it was pretty it was pretty like quick after, but I will never I could never like if i'm holding like a pound or two of extra weight on my body it does like it it it's you know something i'm like thinking about all day yeah so i stay pretty i don't eat like for me food is i'm not the kind of person that like takes a huge amount of like pleasure from eating mm-hmm. i think partially because of some of some of that stuff um uh, from high school so a lot of it for me is just like i can eat you know i'm in this this thing now where i like I'll have three eggs in the morning and I'll have like a sweet green salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I'll like make a turkey burger and a lot of broccoli. And I'll eat that like every day for a week and be totally fine. Like I could just eat the same thing every day. And I think my dream, like if I was successful enough, would just be to have a chef cook like healthy food and I wouldn't have to think about it. I do enjoy, you know, like I went to the um, polo Bar in in the city. I don't know if you've been. Um, I have not. It is it's fantastic. Um, and I will go. You know, I will go crazy and eat. You know, gratuitous amounts of food. And I think my favorite is is uh, like. I mean, I could eat cheeseburgers and French fries every single day of my life and be happy. Um, but it, it like I don't seek it out. Like if I'm there, I will eat. You know, I'll eat whatever. But if I'm like making the decisions and I'm like, what do I want to eat today? It's just like I'll, I'll always go to like – I kind of keep the same thing. And maybe it's, just, it's like with me with the suits. you know, I wear a suit every day. I don't really have to think about what I'm wearing. I'm just like, oh, I'm wearing one of my suits. And so for food, it's a similar thing. It's like I, I eat these 10 things. So I don't really have to make decisions on like what am I going to eat today. It's like I'm going to have a, yeah, a salad or a turkey burger. Like <laughs> it's going to be one of those things. So it keeps it pretty simple. I get it. Yeah.
0: Is it safe to assume that you are within the fashion world? Yes. Okay. So do you think that that plays into it at all?
1: Well, I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, four card works within fashion. A lot of our clients are fashion. That's not, you know, I think I love wearing suits and I like, you know, obviously being slim helps you look good in clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that is cer- i mean a big part of it is is vanity, obviously like i you know I think I look better skinny, so I will stay skinny um <clears throat> but there's not i don't you know there's not a huge amount of like at least in the way that we work in fashion like there's not a huge amount of pressure from from that community that's um, good to hear and, yeah i mean I think. I used to be a fashion photographer before I started Four Card Oscar De La photographer for um, some years, and uh, Tom Browns as well, and kind of shot all over the world. And that you know that world is uh, is a little bit different, you know, and, and certainly with the models and um, even within those brands, you know, they have such a, um, I and mean, not those two brands specifically, but when when you're at the the houses like you know the famous fashion houses working you know working for a place like that you do become a representative of that brand yeah and sometimes you know there are questionable hr uh policies that um you know it it would be um yeah i think another industry would seem crazy but is kind of uh accepted in in fashion of just like there yeah there's you know they have an issue with with people being overweight or whatever. And and I think it's, you know, I think there's less and less of that. Um, even, in the, even in the five years that I've been kind of circling around the industry, um, just because it's harder to get away with it. You know, I think 20 years ago, you could tell all your employees that they have to be skinny, and uh, what were they going to do? But now, if you write that in an email, and somebody sends that email to Mashable, and then it becomes a big story, like, you know, I think there's a little more accountability. So that kind of abuse doesn't happen quite as much. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about these suits again.
1: <laughs> yes, let's do it.
0: Um, first of all, do you tell me, tell me about the tailoring process, because I know nothing about men's fashion <laughs> whatsoever.
1: I mean, I am, uh, you know, I've, I'm fairly blessed. I'm like six, one hundred and sixty five pounds. Like I don't, I don't actually have to get stuff tailored. Mm-hmm. Um, my like my older brother, bless his heart, is very well dressed, um, but is like five six, you know, and he's like he has a like a nineteen inch neck. He's just like a really stocky guy, um, so he has to get everything made custom. Oh my um, god! Because yeah, I mean, I think his neck is you know six inches wider than mine is. <laughs> um, so any shirt that would fit around his neck would, you know, the sleeves would they would think it was for like a seven foot two guy. Um, so the sleeves would be like down to his knees. Um, but I'm pretty lucky. I don't have to, um, get a huge amount tailored and which is, which is nice. Um, I, you know, I struggle to wear the like American clothing. Like I, I'm the smallest size at J crew, which seems crazy to me because again, I'm, I'm fairly tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but the American brands will have like a little, you know, have some of that like vanity sizing and they're still – everything is a little bit just bigger um, and, and a little more difficult to to fit in.
0: So what are your favorite brands? Can you name some?
1: Yeah. I mean I I love Tom Brown, which is, you know, um, his clothes are kind of ridiculous. They're all like very – like the jackets are very shrunken kind of and, and look very small and he's, you know, the pants are super high. Um so Tom, yeah, I've been wearing. There's this company called Suit Supply, um, which I, I hate their advertising and branding and marketing and everything, but they do make good, fairly affordable suits. Um, so I've been hitting them up, and and uh, I used to shoot for Jay Lindenberg, um, and I would get paid in suits. So I have a lot of those, and that's kind of, you know, I started wearing suits. Um, I don't know about when I started drinking whiskey, like eight years ago or so, and I was just like, I'm gonna wear a suit every day. Um, and then I started take you know, I started shooting, doing more photography, and so I started trying to shoot for brands that I liked, and I would just have them pay me in clothes. So I think I have thirty, over thirty suits.
0: James, when you're on a plane, <laughs> when you're taking a road trip, are you in a mm-hmm. suit?
1: No, I have I have calmed down. I used to, I, I used to fly in a suit um, because that's how I was raised, and my dad was like used to work for TWA in the in the glory days of TWA and and travel and air travel in general and he would always be like you know you got to respect the institution of flight and you should be wearing at least a blazer when you're on a plane and I used to do that every time I, I would wear a suit and I flew but um, you know air travel now I've actually it started to like kind of destroy my clothes because you're running through the airport you've got bags on your shoulder um, you know you're sweating because it's either always really hot on the plane or very cold uh, so i i've stopped dress i've stopped wearing suits on the plane and in my you know as i've gotten older i i i don't want to look like a, a character you know like i don't want to look like i'm in a costume so i i try not to like you know be wearing a suit on a saturday morning at 11 a.m so that like when if people I'm,
0: see you not in a suit they're like who is that who's this? Right. who's this guy
1: yeah, I mean, I would never wear like, you know, like, I don't know, a t-shirt. I don't, I don't think I own a, like a t-shirt per se that is not something I would work out in. You know, like I've, I've, I would never go out in public in, in one. So like the most dressed down I would get is like khaki shorts and a polo shirt.
0: Okay. That's,
1: yeah, that's like pajamas for me basically.
0: But let's talk about the staining Do you ever, are you like ever a klutz? Are you just like perfect all the time?
1: (laughs) No, I'm, I'm, I'm a total, like my mom would always be like when I was young, she was like, I don't know how you would get that much food on your face. Like it was like, she's like, it was like it came out of your cheeks, (laughs) uh, because my face always had shit all over it. Um, So I, uh, yeah, no, I'm a total, I'm a total slob and I, 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 uh, I've recently we've grown enough where I have I have an assistant here at Fourcard, um, which is like really strange but also amazing. And she, uh, you know, basically runs my life now um, and is is my guardian angel. But is also always has a Tide stick with her, huh. uh, <laughs> because I'm always like in need of her. You know, removing some stain that I've put onto my clothing.
0: So Tide sticks work.
1: Tide sticks are absolutely you know one of god's greatest inventions i should
0: start carrying one of those around with me because whenever i like have to bring my own clothes to like a commercial shoot or whatever they're always like what is wrong with your clothing (laughs) it's all stained and wrinkled and i'm like isn't that your job um but they're like no you should have some nice clothing um but yeah i'm a total I'm, i'm also i remembered i wore i wore like a i borrowed a dress for like a gala event and i it was a dinner, and I was so stressed that I had not only like everyone's napkin all over my body, but like I put the tablecloth on my lap because <laughs> I was so paranoid that this like three thousand dollar dress was gonna get right. stained. And um, so, <laughs> you're not. I'm assuming you're not putting the tablecloth on your lap, but uh, are you a napkin tucked into the shirt kind of guy, no. or you would never? No, I
1: just no, I just go for it. You know, I mean, uh, you know. There's something I've recently started doing. You know, becoming an adult is a much longer, more arduous process than, than I thought it was going to be. I don't know about for you. Um, but it's so funny how you pick, pick things up along the way. I was, I was out to dinner, with, uh, to breakfast rather, with this very chic woman um, who is probably my age but seems to have her life together like a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was wearing black pants and like asked, you know, asked the – uh, staff for a black napkin. Yes,
0: I just learned about uh, that.
1: Right. And I was like, you know, I had never thought of it, but like now remembering like, oh, right, you leave the, the restaurant with black pants and you've got, you know, white fuzzies all over you. Um, so now I feel very like, you know, bit like a snob, but also kind of great when I'm just like, excuse me, do you, you know, do you have a black napkin? I, uh. <laughs> and then they don't. And then you feel like a real asshole, right? <laughs> It's like if you know I I I drink Manhattans a lot, and um, you're not supposed to shake bourbon. If you shake bourbon, it it like bubbles up a little bit, um, and it it ruins the consistency of the drink. Um, And you know any bartender in uh, certainly in New York at a decent bar or you know San Francisco or LA should know that. But if you go to you know if you go to like some random bar in atlanta or you know fort lauderdale and order a manhattan they will often shake it uh and then you have that moment of being like okay i know that they made that drink wrong and it's not going to taste as good do i do that snobby new york thing and like stop them and say, like, oh excuse me i prefer my manhattans Stirred, not shaken. Uh-huh. Uh, or do you just like eat it and say like "fuck it"? You know, like I'm just gonna like I'm gonna drink this thing and not be that guy. I generally am that guy, but I'm uh, you know I'm still a little embarrassed when I'm like, oh, excuse me, like you're not supposed to shake bourbon. Could you please like remake my cocktail for me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good to know if if you're if you're with yes. you. But
1: yeah, I mean, that so may again, happen for your for your listeners out there if anyone shake if, if they're shaking your bourbon then they're, they're doing you a disservice.
0: I'd like to do some some tests at home.
1: Yeah, it bubbles up. I mean, you can do, it, you know, it's I mean, I think it's more of a Manhattan thing. It's not supposed to be shaken because you can have like a whiskey sour which is, you know, you've got bourbon and um like simple syrup and then they put the egg white in. And then they shake that. You know, the egg white kind of adds like when you sh- shake it a lot in a drink, it, it adds that foam on top where the whiskey almost looks like a latte.
0: It sounds like to me that you know an awful lot about cocktails.
1: I mean, I've been drinking for, you know, quite some time. <laughs>
0: Do you make cocktails at home?
1: I don't. You know, I'm not like there's I'm not that guy. Like I enjoy like one of my favorite smells in the world is a well-appointed cocktail bar. Because you go in, it smells like whiskey. It's always a little warm, um, and it's got like a musk to it. But then you also have all the citrus because they, you know, they're using all the fresh rinds and stuff. So you get that lemon and orange um, and bitters and all of these kind of amazing smells. And I love, I just love a good cocktail bar. That for me, it doesn't translate to home. It's you know, it's like I do, you know, I do enjoy. I, I love going out to eat, um, and if I'm home. I I just wouldn't cook, like, a complex meal. You know, it's like I, as I was saying before, I'll just, like, make a turkey burger and I'll, you know, steam some frozen broccoli. Um, But I I like, yeah, I, I kind of like those things. I'm just not the kind of person that wants to make them. You know, there's people who are, like, they get into cocktail culture and they want to invite their friends over and they want to make these really complex drinks. Like, I just, I have no interest in that. Um, And I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's just not my personality. It's even with like the suits, right? Like there is a menswear, there's menswear culture where these guys know everything. There's all these rules, you know, how wide should your lapel be and what, you know, what's the type of fabric that you should use from this ancient mill that, you know, has been making suit fabrics for 200 years. And it's, you know, like these guys get into every little minutia of detail. Uh, I'm... I'm so uninterested in that Um, and I have a terrible, terrible ADD and I just think that like that type of focus to become that much of an expert on something is is totally lost on me. Um, So for me, like with suits, I just want to look really good in a suit. Um, And I started wearing suits because nobody wore suits and people look at you different when you're in a suit and I feel better about myself so I do it. I don't need to know every little thing and I like going to cocktail bars and, and having somebody make me a drink, I don't need to know how to make it. that makes sense? Yes,
0: total sense. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't stop thinking about your turkey burger now.
1: <laughs> what are you
0: um, – are you making it from scratch or is this like a patty that's already made? Oh,
1: Yeah, it's just like a patty that's already made. And I've got a, a little patio um, in my apartment and, uh, with, a, with a barbecue on it and I'll just throw it on the grill. Um, what are the condiments
0: yeah. and what is the bun situation?
1: No bun. Uh, no bun, yeah. No bun and a little bit of ketchup and and a big pile of broccoli. So I'm a I'm a bike as I said before, I'm a bike racer. So like every it seems like every sport I I love involves trying to stay thin and wearing spandex. Um because first it was wrestling and now it's cycling. So yeah, I'm a bike racer and we try and you know, you try and stay as, as thin and skinny as you can. Uh, because every person puts out a certain amount of power out of their legs. And uh, if you can, you know, you can get faster by two ways. You can either increase the amount of power your legs can put out, or you can decrease your weight so that you don't have to, you know, that power goes further. So cyclists are always trying to lose uh, lose weight and increase what they would call power-to-weight ratio. So I'm always watching what I eat, um, and, and trying to eat healthy and trying to generally stay away from carbs, uh, which sucks because bread is, is, I mean, I really, if I had my way, I I think just a baguette for dinner every night would be like my ideal life. Yes, That's what I want to eat. Yes.
0: Dipped in butter.
1: Yes. I mean, if I could just eat bread, that would be great. But as it is, my station in life calls for me to be eating turkey burgers with no buns and broccoli. Well, what so. are
0: you eating before a race?
1: Um, well, you know, not to get into the nerdy side of nutrition, but like, you know, your body, obviously, if you're looking at food as fuel, um, which, which is an unromantic way to look at it, but whats what it is, is that, you know, the most accessible form of energy is sugars and then is carbohydrates and then... You know, fats. So, um, you know, you want to have easily accessible energy. So, you, you do want some carbohydrates. Um, cyclists aren't like runners. We don't like carb load the day before a big race, really. That's, that's not super effective. Um, but waking up in the morning and having some carbohydrates and making sure you have some sugars is, is super important. And then when you're riding, you, you know, you need to be eating every 45 minutes. Um, because we'll be, we'll be on a bike, you know, I'm going on a ride tomorrow that I think I'll be riding for 10 hours. Whoa. Um, so we probably, I'll probably burn, you know, 2,500, 3000 calories. Um, so you can pretty quickly go into calorie debt and you, you have this thing called a bonk where basically your body is depleted all the sugars in its system.
0: I've heard um, of bonk cause I like those yeah. bonk breaker bars.
1: Right. So exactly. Those I don't the, exercise. Exactly. <laughs> <I'm>
0: just <laughs> eating all <of> them.
1: <laughs> but you, it's incredible. You know, the body, human body, is an incredible thing. And when you when you deplete all of those like energy stores, you start to like you you start to break down. Um, and you you really like my last bonk. I had, I, I ended up having to take a train home, and I was sitting on the Metro North train. Um, from up, a little bit upstate down back to New York City, and it was like a 95 degree day, and I was curled up in a ball, shivering uncontrollably um, on the train. In the train, um, sounds so like y- the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a really fun sport, um, and I, I totally don't understand why I do it. Um, but yeah, so nutrition is 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 really uh, important in the in the cycling community because, again, you know. You're, if you're riding 20 hours a week, um, you want to make sure that you're not ruining it all by eating the wrong things. So it's, you know, it's very much like you come home from a ride, you want to have protein um, because you need to rebuild. Like you know, Proteins obviously rebuild those muscles and make it so that when you wake up the next day, you'll feel better. Um, so I try and I try and be good about that stuff and and think about it. Um, what
0: are you bringing they, with you on these ten hour rides? Like, what are you stuffing into that little pocket in the back of your shirt?
1: So, yeah. So New York is different than LA, right? Because in LA, if you go ride in LA, you go into the mountains. There's nothing out there, right? Yeah. Very quickly. My husband in LA, does that every day. Yeah. And I worry Very quickly about in LA, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So you have to bring a lot. New York. There's gas stations and coffee shops and restaurants and donut places everywhere as you go go up the Hudson River Valley. Um, So it's not as much of a problem. My favorite on-bike food is probably from Pro Bar. Have you heard of them? Yes. So yeah, Pro Bar is great. I mean, when I started riding, it was just Cliff Bar. That was really the only player in the game. And Cliff Bars look like – they look like –
0: They look like Pop-Tarts. Well, yeah, (laughs) they they look like Pop-Tarts.
1: After you've eaten them and then like (laughs) processed them, if you know what I'm saying, and they're just these, and then Pro Bar came out and it was like you could actually see that it was food. You know, you could see a chunk of of apricot in it, and you could see that it was like whole rolled grains and things like that. And like um, so, you are actually eating food, which is which is nice. Um, I get to the point where I can't eat that stuff anymore though, Mm -hmm. Um, and we you know i rode my little brother moved from san francisco to la and i rode we rode our bikes from san francisco to la to move him down there so we did like 450 miles in 4 days we were doing like you know the first day we did 150 miles then we did 140 the next day it was big days and you just you can't eat that those pro bars and stuff all day so you know i'll pack i'll cut up pieces i'll cut up pieces of pizza and put it in my pocket i'll do a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, oh i you know. I love this. Psych- yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat, you know, gas station hot dogs, um, anything really. You're just like, you are, you are, just eat it. You're just a, you're a vacuum. James, you'd trash. be
0: really fun to document while you're on one of <laughs> these things like shoving donuts and hot dogs yes. and pizzas into your pocket like a marsupial. I mean, that's, I mean, that sounds fun.
1: Yes, we used to like, you know, we'd get, we'd be riding like 10 miles from the hotel that we were going to stay at that night and I would call and I'd order a pizza and two of us would eat an entire pizza and then go to dinner. Oh, <laughs> you just, you get, you're, you're so hungry. There's no amount of food that you could eat to satisfy yourself.
0: Wow. Well, on that note, I think our time is up, but um, if um, people want to check out James, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can find me, you know, on all the platforms of the internet. Um, as, as I, you know, run a social media company, I'm, I'm, I'm on there on Instagram and all that at James Nord, um, jamesnord.com. And uh, yeah.
0: If people want to ask you a question on Drink with James, is it best to contact you or is it best to go through 4Card?
1: You can email me, James at 4Card, F-O-H-R, card.com, or you can uh, tweet me or Instagram me or leave a message on one of our other. Uh, most of the questions we get are people leaving comments on, um, on the past videos. And my, uh, my marketing guy looks at all those and picks the questions for the week.
0: I have a question. Should I save it you for 4Card or should I ask you now?
1: You can ask me now. Oh,
0: this is great. I'm getting my one-on-one with James. <laughs> my my coffee with James.
1: <laughs>
0: so, my question is about I have two different social media accounts for two different things. I mean, mm-hmm. one of them was for originally for me for acting. So I have a different one for Facebook and one for Instagram and one for Twitter. And then I have one separate for the blog, Actors Diet. Mm -hmm. However, in more recent years, in like the last three or four years, I've been known more for the food stuff than for the acting stuff. However, I'm still acting. So it's sort of like uh, everyone's telling me, maybe you should, you know, switch one over, especially because my engagement is so much higher on my acting site than on Mm -hmm. the blog side and you know as brands especially like you know even with four card you want one place what are your instagram numbers for one place not for both places so i am just sort of struggling with this idea of like what to do because they still serve very different places like on one place i can very much be a blogger which i don't want to be Mm -hmm. on my acting side Right. I don't want to be, like, talking about chocolate all the time. I mean, <laughs> occasionally, but not all the time. So right. what is your advice about that?
1: It's, yeah, you're you're in a tough spot. Um, I, I think I hear you. Like, you know, I started getting popular on the Internet because of photography and specifically fashion photography. Um, and a lot of people followed me for that. And then, you know, I started riding my bike a lot more, and I have a lot of cyclists that follow me and Then I started four card and I have some people who follow me who are like you know entrepreneurs and they're looking for advice on that um, and I have a lot of bloggers that follow me, so you know I feel often like whatever I post on my on my channels there's a huge part of my audience that has no interest in it, you know yeah. like if i 'm posting fashion photography, most of you know all of my cycling audience and the people following me for the startup are going to be one confused and two not interested. So I think, you know, I think if you're doing both and they have a different voice and different, um, like a a different purpose, and I think it's, it's actually smart to keep them separate for the time being. Um, because the, you know, your audience, half the time, the content you're posting isn't going to be right for a big group of that audience. Um, and you're going to be bummed out because it's like, oh, when I post this kind of thing, I get, you know, this engagement level, but then I post this kind of thing and I get this engagement level. So I think it's good to to keep them separate for now.
0: I like that advice because I don't want that's, to merge.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's I, I think that this, that's okay that, you know, uh, again, that people come to your feed for a reason. We talked about this um, in the Drink with James coming out next week, is that like they're there for a reason and you can't just like, uh, throw something else in there. Um, you have to train your audience. You know, I think that over time you could you could merge those two parts of yourself and two things you're talking about and have them um, live together. But it, you can't just throw it in there, right? You have to start training your audience and telling them, "Hey, guys, like, I know you follow me for the acting stuff, but I also do all this other stuff that's really interesting." And like, you know, get them involved slowly. Um, you can't just merge it and say, like, okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, I also do this food stuff. And it's like, wait, what?
0: Right, right. Well, they know. So, they know already. It's like I am constantly posting photos right. of what I eat. But then there's, you know, photos of me on set and photos of me doing this other stuff. But, and um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting balance right now. But I, I do find that, like, you know, things that I'm willing to do for brands, I'm not really willing mm-hmm. to do on my personal page. Like I'm not really w- right. willing to do that. I'm I'm willing to do that on the other page, but not not this one, not
1: not yeah, yet. I think I think that like you know this is supposed to be fun, right? And like I I you know I first got kind of popular online on Tumblr, and I love I loved it. it. You know I loved posting, I loved writing, I loved the the community and the feedback I get. And I don't really have that anymore on Instagram. And for me, it, my personal Instagram is is not that fun. Uh, anymore, and you know, so I just don't, I don't really put a whole lot of work into it, and that shows. And so I think if you're, yeah, if you're enjoying keeping both, um, then you should keep both. And if, if at some point you're like, you know, what I don't really like to talk about this anymore, uh, this other thing, then I think you could, you could not do it. And I think it's like it's your feeds. And you should just do whatever the hell you want, basically.
0: This is good advice. Thank you,
1: James. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: See, see, this is, why, this is why James gives advice every week. Because right. he's good at it. Um, yeah, I'm, thank I'm, you.
1: I'm even sober now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Imagine what he does when he's got a few drinks in him.
1: Imagine. Just Imagine. viewing well, all sorts this of knowledge. This was great. Thank you so much. I, I, I had fun.